My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. I never was a Floridian. I live in the devil's crotch. Oh, I'm sorry. Does that imagery disturb you? Well, I live here, so pardon me while I determine that you'll be fine. Technically, yes, it's Florida. But that image you have in your head of Miami and nightclubs and movie stars and 90s pastel art deco or whatever, you got to let that go. Believe me. I'm here. I know. Uh, no, I never was a Floridian. Californian through and through. But for now, the devil's crotch. I'll call myself a Californer. A visiting resident. A sojourner, if you will. Smack in the middle of this weird place for almost four years. A four-year visit and counting. You see, I live in the city of Lakeland, Polk County to be specific, Imperial Polk County if we're being formal, and if you need to know why that's relevant, you're uh, welcome to study the sordid history of Polk County's imperiousness, or just catch up on the local nightlife by following the Florida Man Twitter feed. Pretty much the same deal. All right, so what's about to happen here? Mark going to rant about Florida for the whole show? No. No. Watch this. I'm going to say I'm amazed by Lakeland right now. Same Lakeland I was talking about. Currently in this town, you can find a place called the Fourth Wall Artisan Design Studio. They do pretty much everything. Welding, engraving, manufacturing, design, all of it. If there was a place you could imagine that you'd like to learn how to do any of that type of stuff, the Fourth Wall is probably what you'd imagine. It's a beautiful shop. Endless possibilities. Thomas Monaco, look him up. Tom just helped my good buddy, artist Josh Bump Galetta, with a steel sculpture installed by the city of Lakeland in the old Dixieland district. Yes, Dixieland. Anyway, right alongside that, uh, there's the Concord Coffee Company, which, seriously, aside from pretty great coffee, it looks like it belongs in a magazine. It's beautiful. You know, it's just across the patio from that place. The Vanguard Room, which we'll get into in a moment. Just around the corner, the Polk Theater. Again, more in a moment. It's also the birthplace of Mrs. Fifi Solomon, my wife. So, eh, kind of a big deal. Who knew? Lakeland's actually kind of, kind of happening. You know, sometimes you just don't know. With these trippy little towns, you never know what you're up against unless you're you're here, stranded, you know, for a few years and forced to open your eyes, forced to be present. That's what I'm attempting these days. Be present. So how's that? Grouchy old Uncle Mark said something nice about Lakeland. Boom. As if to further the amazement, my guest tonight is Mr. Aaron Marsh. Who hails from where? That's right. Lakeland, Florida, as I live and breathe. Aaron Marsh of the band Copeland, and uh, also, as it turns out, the epic studio, The Vanguard Room, where we recorded this little chat. 
the Vanguard Room. It's it's amazing, and it's right here in Lakeland. Hard to believe. I have to admit, it's one of the nicer studios I've seen. Seriously. So yeah, buried beneath the rebel flag throw rugs, being sold on the side of the road, the uh, mosquito farms, and the people who drive tractors in the fast lane. Lakeland has a pulse. Aaron found time to join me right before he leaves to traipse across the world with Paramore uh, on a tour supporting Copeland's Back From Hiatus album, Ixora. The band is playing a show on April 25th right here in, you guessed it, Little Old Lakeland with my good friend uh, E. Collins of Mr. ENC. And as if that weren't enough, it's at the aforementioned Polk Theater. This place, it's... <laughs> Best way I can describe it, we watched a Wes Anderson film there and felt like we were actually in another Wes Anderson film. It's incredible. So please, wherever you are, think of me, turn up the AC, because it is so hot here. Make it cold enough to need a blanket if you have to. Do that. Join me nestled between Disneyland and Tampa Bay, live from the Devil's Crotch. Sorry, I had to get it in there one more time. Singer, songwriter, producer, husband, father, and Floridian, Aaron Marsh. But first... Folks, this show is brought to you by me and Billy Power. That's right. The major corporate sponsor behind us is us. Or at least it used to be. Sally Grayson, Jason Wayland, Josh Weir, Adam Glagow, Brad Barber, and Walter Stokes. You rule. See, folks, up until recently, any ad you heard on this show, let's just say the barter system is alive and well, okay? Thank you, Veritas Vinyl. Thank you, Northern Records. Thank you, American Dance Party. All Wonderful and awesome companies. Awesome as they may be, the barter system can only take us so far toward the goal of turning the show into something that sustains itself, including hosting fees and soundproofing rooms. But those folks I just mentioned, Sally, Jason, Josh, Adam, Brad, and Walter, they are officially the first patron saints of Never Wisdom. See, we got some goals around here, okay? And those kind folks that I just mentioned were the first to step up and toss a few bucks in the digital tip jar. And I am very, very grateful for it. What did they do to become these patron saints of Never Wasdom? They simply went to the website, ineverwas.com, and clicked on the Patreon link. Then followed their fingers. Easy as pie, you've done this stuff. But yes, indeed. Patreon.com backslash never was. Oh, you know, do what you can. Don't get weird. Uh, whether it be for soundproofing a room, paying for web hosting, getting a little cash in the pockets of the people who put the show on, all of the help would be appreciated. And I just, I'm very humbled that someone would even think about it. Either click on the link on a show page or go to the patreon.com page. Do what you can. And, uh, should you run into old Sally, Jason, Josh, Adam, Brad, or Walter, you give them a hug for the old never was, huh? Tell them thank you. We love you. Look them in the eye when you do it, please. Like, uncomfortably long. 
Did I say it wrong? No, that's it. Sora. Oh wait, yeah. so why? What what grief did you get for naming your band Stavesacre? Are you kidding me? Uh, let's see how many marquees uh, slave scare <laughs> I'll just remember the top ones saves Edgar that was a that was one saves Edgar yeah I feel like you kind of missed the boat and should have changed your name to saves Edgar. saves Edgar slave scare Stava Sacre well that's just a pronunciation <laughs> issue uh, Steve's acre <laughs> Uh, as we saw that on a marquee, man. he's got Steve's a, acre. He's got a few acres, which <laughs> old Steve. He's, he's a landowner. He's a he's a landowner. Scare was the one that really bummed me out because it just sounds so awful. Yeah, I mean, there's like on multiple levels. Steve, slave scare is a, is a bummer. Uh, one of my one of my funniest things like that is uh, the band Love Drug. Do you, did you hear, ever mm-hmm. hear them? Mm-hmm. The, I guess they played at like either a church or a Christian club one time, and the they had a problem with putting the the word drug on the marquee. Oh my God. So they went ahead and took the liberty of changing their name to Love Jugs, <laughs> <laughs> which is so much better. Did they really say jugs? It might have been Jug Love Jug. That's terrible. But dude. come on. Gosh. It's like a jug full of love. <laughs> it sounds so much worse. Oh my god! Yeah, that's what that's the thing. You know, you watch these. It's 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 essentially the same concept as the the uh, overdubs of movies on you know network television. I'd like to better get to know you. You know. Yeah. Do you remember that one from Aliens? Sure, I'd like yeah. to butter your muffin, and they changed it to "I'd like to better get to know you." What draws more attention? Uh, it's clearly. The second, you know. For sure. Oh, gosh. Love Jug. <laughs> that is the cover of Love Jug's magazine. <laughs> so you're from here. I'm you from here. here. Yeah, I, um, I was born in Eugene, Oregon, but my family's all from here, and okay. I've, I grew up here. I lived okay. in Atlanta for a couple years um, during the early band days, but so you left yeah. Lakeland and went to Atlanta. Yeah, I left the- Lakeland, went to Atlanta. That was like around when we started making our when we made our first record. We did the record in Atlanta, and we just we were just like, let's just go up there and just play shows and kind of be a local band there for a while and mm-hmm. kind of develop in a new town. Sure, it actually, wound up being a really smart smart move for our career because you know we we were already good, but no one would come to see us in central Florida because we played all the time. You know, we okay. were kind of oversaturated here. So just like, well, let's just get out N- new scene. We'll come out of nowhere and, and, uh, and do our thing. And, and was that with the lineup <laughs> that is currently Copeland right now? I mean, have you guys had any, changes? uh, we've had a couple changes. Brian, Brian, the guitarist and I have been in it since, since then. Um, but we've had a different drummer mm-hmm. and a different bass player. Okay. So, yeah, so you guys go up to Atlanta, kind of. I mean, I could see that. There's something to be said for not playing in front of people who know you. Yeah, you know, you don't have to feel. I don't know. There's just to me, maybe it's not the same for you, but to me, there's a freedom in being able to just put on whatever persona you you think fits the music. You know, totally without someone calling bullshit on you. You know, yeah. Like, What's the deal, dude? I didn't. You're not Artie. You know. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, we're doing a Lakeland show here in a couple of weeks, and and it'll be interesting because I it's it's been over it's been right at ten years since we no since I last played in Lakeland, 
So that's yeah, a lot. Yeah, but you're playing of... at the Polk Theater, and that place is awesome. It's going to be cool. It's going to be cool, but it'll be weird to look out and see, you know, 400 people that I know like really well, <laughs> right? My entire Facebook friends list will be there. So. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. Cool. And I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to point out every personal flaw that I notice. <clears throat> Please. Uh, so yeah, you lived here your, your whole life then mostly with the, the brief hiatus. And now, I mean, clearly you're, you're here. I mean, you built this, this epic studio in this town out. Well, it's not exactly mobile. You know? Right. Yeah. So we built a studio here. I, there was one of the reasons we went to Atlanta to begin with, like in the, in the old days is cause there wasn't really a studio in central Florida that fit our, you know, our indie rock aesthetic, the way we wanted to make records, the experimental nature, the comfort level, you know. So back in those days, this was like right after the boy band craze. So Orlando had tons of like kind of high dollar studios, the kind of studio you go in, don't touch anything. Right. You know, it's all slick. It all You're looks like the website where everything's clean here. and put away. Sure. Yeah. And there's in sync records on the wall. And, uh, and Tampa had a lot of a lot of metal, like a lot of like yeah. death metal in Tampa, right. <clears throat> and um, and then uh, and a couple like of the, you know, like the bigger rock studios, commercial rock studios, where like, you know, your, I think it was like like your Candlebox Records and your Seven Mary Threes and your and that you know that type of stuff, but that wasn't us, mm-hmm. and uh, so we found um, we met this guy named Matt Goldman, uh, who has since you know become kind of a kind of a staple of you know kind of southeast indie rock and heavy okay. music he um you know he did those early Dennis and Mars records sure. um those are your, it's your boys uh yeah. a bunch of central florida bands my hotel year uh uh seemed like everyone was just going up there mm-hmm. around that time and uh and his studio was extremely comfortable to be in, even though it was small, you know, it felt like you were, felt like you were in just like your, your family room or something. Yeah. Um, is in like an old historic building. Uh, and it it just seemed very welcoming, you know, kind of people popping in and out all the time. Like a lot of like kind of lively energy. It wasn't nearly as like clinical as like all the studios around here. So we started going up there to do records. Um, that was one of the things that kind of like inspired us to move up there because we mm-hmm. kind of felt like that was like if we had another home, sure, it was there. That's your, yeah, that's where you can stretch out for sure. Take me now, take me anywhere you go, because I can't stay here, I won't make it long. And this piece of my soul, you control it in this time and this space where we belong. It's worsening, it's breaking down As a real love thread unwinding You're surfacing just to take me down When I feel like I'm dead, you're reviving Try 
curious as to where, where the impetus came from you know like for me it's different than for you and so so you know it's it's one thing to say why did you want to be in a band but I guess you know give me a little background on on how you grew up you know sure. are you are you close with your parents do your are your parents still living or you yeah so extremely close to my parents um, actually my my parents and my brother and my sister and I live within a five minute radius of each other. So my parents, okay. we, we have like our family dinner every Sunday where we, my, my really? brother and sister and I take all our kids over, you know, it's all the cousins are at grandma and grandpa's house yeah. every Sunday. So that's cool. Very fortunate. Um, very fortunate to have the family that I had and all extremely supportive of my, my musical endeavors. And, um, you know, I think, I'm the only musical one in the batch. And so I think they're all, I'm a bit of a head scratcher to them. Maybe mm-hmm. they, I don't think they, I don't think at times they completely understand my motivations for doing different projects. And um, I'm probably most like my mom and that she has a incredibly like focused work ethic. Uh, and so I think I, I pick that up and, and I do it in my own musical way. Uh, my mom's a United Methodist minister retired she retired two years ago and uh my dad is a it guy for okay. he does it work for the city of lakeland and uh How about your siblings sibling my my brother also it for the city and uh and my sister is a at the moment is a stay-at-home mom she's done various things work with at veterinary clinics and and she has a she has a the photography bug. So okay. she, she kind of dabbles in that uh, nice. off and on. So and my, my wife is all about that now, man. Yeah. yeah. So you, 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 did you go to Lakeland high or whatever? Were you, were you so a dreadnought? I was sort of a dreadnought. My, uh, I, uh, went to Harrison arts center, which is a performing arts high school kind of on the campus of Lakeland. It's kind of a school within a school. Okay. Uh, that's a that's actually a huge part of probably probably another huge part of where I get my good work ethic and my uh you know general artistic outlook. Uh <clears throat> a really interesting school. I actually just went back 2 days ago to talk to the talk to the orchestra and kind of tell them my story and give them some some uh what little insight that I could give them about like music industry and like music careers and quit now. that sort of thing. Quit. Yeah. Away. Yeah. Do anything other than music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it was a cool environment because it was, you know, you had to audition to get into the school and you had to do, do kind of juries to stay in, you know, kind of had to always mm-hmm. be improving your craft. I was in the orchestra. Uh, so the cool kids at that school were not like the jocks or the rich kids or the cheerleaders that, the cool kids at that school were the people were the people who were talented or who were hardworking, who were like kind of crushing it at their art, whatever they did, mm-hmm. visual art, dance, 
theater, yeah. orchestra, singing. Uh, so it was really interesting to like have have that where it, and, you know it kind of didn't matter that you know I didn't dress like I had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know I wore plaid pants and crazy colored shirts and carried a trombone around and I felt like I was actually kind of cool yeah. there, you know, <laughs> at Lakeland high school, I was not cool. I was, uh, yeah. I was Jessica Marsh's weird brother. So Jessica Marsh, Je- that's my popular. sister. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So they obviously, you being the musical one, they probably didn't attend the school of the arts. As much. Uh, no, but the, but they came to all the concerts and stuff. Sure. You're, you're, She's the, you know, she's the big name on campus. She, yeah, my sister was was a big deal <laughs> at LHS. Nice. She was quite popular. So, well, who were you as a kid? I mean, were you, you know, insular guy? Did you have groups of friends? Did you, uh, you know, yeah, sports I, or any of that kind of stuff or primarily music? No, I, I mean, I did sports when I was really young, but I wasn't super, you know, I wasn't good at it or passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was... You know, from the time, let's see, when I started playing piano by ear, just kind of teaching myself and writing little melodies on on the piano when I was about five. And, and I kept that going. I was fairly comfortable just like kind of playing piano by ear, um, you know, at pretty young. And started, started recording. I think I started recording songs. I remember recording songs on a little... I had two boom boxes and we I would record uh record to one tape and then move that tape over and line it in to the to the original boom box and overdub so mm-hmm. with a with a little Y adapter. That was kind of my janky way of multi tracking. It's probably like <laughs> your janky way of uh of doing a podcast with multiple yep. USB mics. Yeah. <laughs> Building uh aggregate devices. <laughs> yeah. So I did what I could when I was uh I remember doing that as young as maybe uh, sixth grade. How old are you in sixth grade? You're 11, 11 or 12. So been recording pretty much as long as I can remember. Exactly. Um, when you were growing up, though, did you think, I, I, I want to do this? I want to I wanna be a musician or uh, I, Yeah, I think, I don't think I knew that I was going to do popular music like rock or indie rock or anything like that. Indie rock wasn't, I didn't really know what indie rock was back then. So, but I knew I wanted to do something music. I th- I thought it was in high school. My goal was to be a symphonic trombone player. You see multiple trombones in my yeah. studio. Yeah. They're all over the place. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to be a symphonic trombone player. Like my goal, uh, my dream was I was going to live in London and play for the, for the Philharmonic. No and, and then my senior year of high school, I got braces and my tone Went, no. went to crap no. <laughs> and I got discouraged. Oh. And so that's actually how I, I started focusing more on guitar and piano then. Okay. So interesting. Um, what, uh, I mean, there had to be that one band, right? The, the one band that made you like kind of want to do this. Did you, you, know, you start messing around with guitar and piano and you hear a Rolling Stones record and you know, I don't know. Um, I, I think the first band that I like connected with on such a crazy level was Counting Crows. It was just my era. Uh, so I was, you know, it was like 95, mm-hmm. 95, right? Um, so those two, the first two records, Recovering the Satellites was when I just like, I started, you know, kind of 
I was like, I need, I still, that's still my goal. Whenever I'm making a record, I'm like, if I can make a record that's just like as vibey and as dynamic as recovering the satellites, yeah. like I will have succeeded. So it's that's funny. That band gets a lot of shit, you know, they, well, they, yeah, they might not have aged well. I, I heard a, a few songs from the new one and it sounded like they might be recovering a little bit from mm-hmm. their kind of old man. I think really what, what the big problem was honestly, was that freaking video, that very first Mr. Jones thing. And you got, you know, <laughs> Dude bouncing around with those Swing white boy dreadlocks and, you know, <sighs> belly hanging out underneath his shirt. <laughs> Everybody remembers that. And, you know, it just seemed like such a 90s thing. But I am actually with you on the Recovering the Satellites album. Yeah, I mean, that, to me, sick. is one of my all-time favorite records. And I actually, uh, that came out, my girlfriend at the time, and I listened to August all, all the time. And my best friend, that's like one of his favorite records. And, you know, uh, and this girl destroyed me, uh, Mm -hmm. like literally just crushed all of my soul in life. And I was depressed for a long time. And right, it happened right as that album had come out. And we happened to be, Stave's Acre happened to be on tour all the time. We're driving, you know, and these these are way before the days of iPods or whatever. Mm. You had your CD books, massive CD books. Giant CD book that weighs like 20 pounds. And and, uh, I drove the guys nuts. Because when I first heard Recovering, I didn't really care for it. It just didn't grab me, Mm. right? Uh, It it wasn't August and everything after. And I was really, you know, that was my record. So... You know, I'm, I'm in this point where like, I'm so shattered and sad all the time. And Sam said, wow, man, that Recovering the Satellites is an incredible record. And I was like, this this would please someone if I like, I don't know what it was. It just, I just had to listen to it again, you know? Yeah. And man, that thing, I, I the guys would get so pissed <laughs> because I'd get in the car and it's my turn to drive and do, 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 do. <laughs> And like Mellotron, yeah. Oh god, everybody groaning, you know. And we actually went to we started covering a uh a, a Kind of Crow's song, uh Angels of the Satellites from the, the previous record, I believe. I can't Angels remember. of the Silence. That was on recovering. Ang- Angels, yeah, okay. Yeah. So Angels of Silence, yeah, sorry, Angels of the Satellites. Angels of the Silence we recovered and Jeff Ballou tried to turn that into, and because we're covering this song, you can't listen to that album anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he did it. He's like, oh, let's cover this song so you can't listen anymore. So That's you hilarious. heard that thing? I mean, oh, that's such a good album, man. Yeah. I, mean, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, that was my that was my teen angst. Sure. This girl, you know, this girl doesn't like me. I'm mm-hmm. gonna just like I'm not coming out of my, I'm not coming out of my room until this record's done. <laughs> So like, <laughs> it was a, those were the days. Like, my friend would call me up. Hey, what are you doing? I'm listening to music. When was the last time someone asked you what you Seriously. were doing and you said I'm listening to music? I'm actively listening. I'm not like doing the dishes and the music's right. on. I'm not surfing Facebook or whatever and music's in the background. What are you doing? I'm listening to music. Yeah, that is like I remember saying that to people. Lost art. Yeah, it's just like. That's not a thing anymore, and I I want to bring it back. Well, I think, I think, you know, I see that record collection in there. I think the the rebirth of vinyl has a lot to do with people rediscovering 
that listening to music can actually be a thing that you do. Yeah, it's, for sure. Yeah, the I mean the vinyl. I think it's I think people appreciate a more active experience. You know, yeah. it's it's not as easy as hitting a button or or even just putting a CD on. It's like I gotta be careful. I don't want to uh, scratch it. I haven't done this in a while. Like you know, were like you ever a uh, were you ever a, a a liner notes minor? That was my that was my uh, way I discovered bands. Yes, man. Yeah, I, I was. You gotta like flip through and like, who did they think? The liner, minor, dude. You gotta dig <laughs> through there and find out all the secret information. You yeah. Know? Who? Yeah, I would look at their thanks because you mm-hmm. know, this band would thank this band. Oh, who's that? Oh, let me let me good. check. And then out. if there was like a little, some comment that was a joke, they oh, were sharing. Yeah. That was an instant note. These dudes are pretty close. They're type bros. Yeah. yeah, I gotta get that record. Oh yeah, <laughs> totally. And then of course, as you. Oh. Sorry, I'll go off. I remember, you know, when the Crucified's first record came out, we put that thing out and you're putting in all these little inside jokes and stuff and then you're realizing like, dude, we're really not that close to those guys. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't real. What am I trying to pull off here? Okay, so yeah, you know. Yeah, we just put in, I just put in like inside jokes with like Tom York. Like, just me and Tom. Tom. Yeah, we're so. Just having a laugh like we always do. (laughs) Okay, so recovering the satellites. Yeah. That's the first one. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, of course, OK Computer was like massive for me. I'm sure it was for everybody. Uh, Jimmy World Clarity record, well, I don't, I don't. That's one that I haven't that I don't go back to, but I can't mm-hmm. I can't deny its importance in my musical development. Yeah, um, yeah it was a that was a good one. The, I the, those this that sparkling clean sound. I was just like, yeah, it's pretty that record, is man. Really cool. It's pretty. Yeah. record kind of picks up where we left off on the the third copeland record we kind of got the bug for like kind of an experimental ethos to our music even though it might not all sound experimental in some way or in some shape or form uh every song that we've done since that third record to us has been quite experimental whether it sounds that way or not you know that's the that's been the the driving force behind our creativity is just like, Oh, let's see what, what boundaries we can push for ourselves. So maybe just for ourselves, it was experimental. Um, so yeah, maybe, uh, the entire record, I feel like there's something, whether it's like a le- an interesting lyrical perspective or, uh, kind of interesting electronic sounds or, um, you know, kind of different ways the the drums and bass groove together. There's been something about it that about each song that has, you know, some sort of, to me, experimental quality, uh, just because that's what I'm interested in doing mm-hmm. and interested in pushing boundaries. But, but yeah, Erase didn't have, and there was nothing about it other than the fact that there's the chorus only happens one time. I guess that's sort of different, but, uh, there's nothing about it really that is, was all that, you know, boundary pushing. Mm-hmm. It was sort of just like, when it started, we were just like, let's just do the thing that we do. Just make a floaty, epic, cinematic strings, heart wrenching songs, kind of like a, like our version of like Babe Ruth pointing, pointing Mm -hmm. to the back fence to the left or left field fence and crack, like 
uh, kind of calling his shot. Yeah. So it was our version of like, yeah, let's just point to the point to the back fence and swing and and so that's what we did on that song and uh so yeah by the end of the record i wasn't feeling great about the song just because maybe i was burned out and i was more excited about the more experimental songs but um but yeah we we ended up using it on the record and it's been quite successful sweetest taste your aroma I can never feel it Hold your own Bright as falling snow Now your heaven keeps me honest But you can see my gray has faded And you can't erase it Listen into your heart No one seems to know this And all my broken parts get mended But I feel alone And you can't erase it again From my words here said your friend was um knew you didn't know anything i mean did you, were your parents kind of strict were they are, no. are your parents you know no they weren't they weren't all that strict with um i don't remember them i think my my brother brought home a white zombie cd one time they weren't real nuts about that yeah um but i don't remember them ever telling us we couldn't listen to something okay are you, I mean, your family, is there, is there a Christian yeah, religious so, in any way? I mean, what Yeah, my mom's about? United Methodist minister. Um, okay. United Methodist Church, you know, is like relatively liberal in their doctrine. So the fairly easygoing folks for the most part, mm-hmm. as you know, as far, as far as Christian denominations go. Sure. From what I've observed. Um, so, yeah, she comes from that. Um my mom and I are a lot alike. Uh, uh, so I don't, I'm, so I grew up very much in that spent, you know, four days a week, probably in some fashion at the church. Cause my mom worked there. So okay. I was involved in pretty much everything yeah. that went down. Um, so now I'm not, I'm not as much of a, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person who's very, uh, if I'm into something, I'm so incredibly into it that I have to know everything about it and I have mm-hmm. to, every question has to be answered and uh, every, you know, like I'll I'll chase every single nuance of something, mm-hmm. an ideology, uh, you know, a skill set, anything like that, I will, you know, kind of obsess over until I've kind of figured it out or or mastered it or come to understand it enough to where I can leave it be. Uh, and I really was not happy as a Christian because of this. I think, I think this, I, I'm just like a, I'm, I'm such a like answer seeker. Um, 
that believing in something that I would not know the answer to until I was dead in the ground just drove me absolutely crazy. Couldn't sleep nights wandering about stupid shit, predestination or, you know, all the, all the shit that like my, uh, you know, my philosophy major friends Mm -hmm. would talk about. And, uh, you know, I, I not knowing, not being able to like find answers, uh, drove me crazy and I was not happy. I got addicted, I got addicted, addicted to sleeping pills because I couldn't sleep nights. Mm. Uh, and no kidding. So you're just like laying there contemplating the universe and unable to sleep unable to sleep for days wow. yeah uh cuz and i think it was because you know i would i had a lot of like very heady christian friends who were you know you know instead of doing a religion major they would do a philosophy major of course of, and 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 just sit up for hours discussing you know some, All the some, ways they know more than some thinker. Well, they, I mean, they wouldn't know. They would just talk about all these thinkers who, I mean, and and who, who actually thinks that they know anything more than anyone else about God or, right. and you know, it's like you you don't, you know, as as much as you study, you don't know anything more than I do, and we're both gonna die and go. Oh yeah, that that right. that's true do you, or, you, know, consider, so, you still consider yourself a believer at no this time? yeah okay. no i don't actually i what uh and I, I can tie this to a story that i should have i should tell in the podcast about the sh- subgenres and the mark the mark solomon genre so one <laughs> thing that uh that has become a pet peeve of mine is subgenreing or the the over genre fying of i first noticed it in music you know people sure. talking about I'm in a, I'm in an emo band. I'm in a space rock emo band. I'm right, in a, right, I'm in a right. crab core, post hardcore metal core band. You know, like the, mm-hmm. the subgenres of subgenres. I'm like, well, what if you want to make something else? You know what I mean? Like now you can't because you've decided in your mind what you are. And so I first started noticing it in music. And then I started to realize that, that the, the tendency to classify things reached far beyond music they you classify art classify your food classify your types of businesses your zoning regulations in cities and 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 we and and all these things to me uh once i stopped i tried to like intentionally not classify things so if i heard a band i would say i'm not gonna i'm not gonna think of this as an emo band i'm gonna just think of i'm gonna say this is a band playing a rock style, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a there's an actual style that's a there's a documented thing. But you know, they have jangly guitars and the drummer does ends his fills on the and of four, like all the emo drummers do. But I don't think that I say and of four uh, mm-hmm. accent. Uh and you know, this particular vocal style. I've heard that before, Jeremy Enoch does that. Uh so I'll I'll try to like think about music in ways that do- doesn't lead me to just say it's an emo band. It's a this right. because that because thinking in terms of classifying makes me think about all the ways that this band is like other things. But if I think about it without classifying it, I'm thinking about the ways that they're unique. It made me like more music. It made me like more of everything: more art, more more dance, more movies, more everything. Because I'm not thinking about I'm not thinking about 
what it is in relation to other things. I'm thinking about what it is, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and it's just like a, uh, like a, a, a mind, like a switch that I flipped in my mind on something that I practice, try to describe things in ways that aren't so classifying. But then when I realize that people do this to themselves is like, how can, how can you do this to yourself? How can you limit, how can you put a limit on what you think you are in your core of cores, like your heart of hearts. If you think about your like innermost, the, the tiny P that's at the center of your being. And that little P has been you since you were five years old. And you can think back to when you were five years old and say, that was me. And I might be different. I might think differently. I might believe differently. I might, you know, like, Maybe I had a life-altering religious experience, but that P is still, that, that inner you is still you. Uh, and so when you think about yourself in that way, you're just on this road. But when you think of yourself as, I'm an atheist, end of story. I'm a Christian, right? end of story. I'm a lawyer, end of story. I try to, I try to not like classify myself, hipster, emo kid, you know, you know, whatever it is, I was, I would say I'm an individual who likes this type of music. Mm-hmm. I'm an individual who has this ty- type of occupation. I'm an individual who has this type of beliefs instead of, yeah, instead of like putting broad classifications on myself, I feel like that does a, a great distur- disservice to m- my, my core thought about myself. You know what I mean? Don't disgrace the P. Don't. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta respect, the P. <laughs> you gotta respect that P. Yeah. I mean, I guess. So, yeah. So, and, and, uh, so I don't, I don't choose to classify myself as an atheist or, a, or a Christian, uh, or anything else. Really. I, I am a individual and my beliefs are, uh, especially beliefs, because you could change those in it. If if you're not changing your beliefs on a day to day basis, you're not thinking. You know what I mean? Mm. You're not. Uh, I I feel like Christians should be like, today I'm a Christian. Tomorrow I might not be a Christian, but I'll make that decision tomorrow. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, same thing with atheists, because they don't know. <laughs> they don't know. Nobody. Well, there's knows. definitely something to be said uh, in a confident acknowledgement that you don't know everything. Yeah. It's been the discussion between a lot of people. The one thing Christians have the most difficult thing saying in my experience is I don't know. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. Yeah. I know this and I know this, but I don't know all this other stuff. I just know this. And unfortunately that's, that's not always good enough for everybody. Yeah. From Christians to those who don't, proclaim any kind of faith at all right you know they want certainty and uh fine final answers and you know absolutes it's just sure and if you're the type of person who doesn't need absolutes because i understand the well i'm going to put my faith in this Mm -hmm. because it makes me feel good makes me it makes me do good things it gives me a purpose gives me uh whatever Uh, it gives me some peace of mind about my mortality it gives me uh, 
the desire to do good for others, uh, whatever your reason for like even considering believing something, right, mm-hmm. uh, is because it it makes your life better. It makes you it makes you makes this life worth living, right? But for me, it di- it just didn't. So that's where my you know, so everyone accepts a little bit of like, I don't know, I'm just going to have faith. Right. So I get that. Um, but for me, it just, shit didn't work. You know, it just didn't okay. make me feel better. Uh, uh, it didn't make me, it didn't make me appreciate life. It kind of made me kind of hate life. Cause it felt like if man, if God made, made me and the only reason he made me is to f- sit here all night thinking about him and fuck that guy, you know, mm. like, I have two kids. I do not want them to sit up all night thinking about their father. Okay. They need to. They need to think about other things. They need to enjoy their life. I, I, I gave them life. I made them. I'm going to raise them so that they can enjoy their life, not sit around wondering what I want, what my will is for them. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard that. That's. I, I don't. Uh, my whole thing but, these days is love them all so i'm i'm just trying oh to yeah hear that's people. and that's the best which i don't you know no i'm if, saying if that's i don't what, if that's what christianity brings to your life is just love just love people then no, that's I, the that's the best i would I'm, say I'm into it more though than that is that my tendency the reason why i would even say that is that my tendency over the years especially as a kid growing up you know young and dumb and i know everything kind of deal the natural tendency that i grew up with was to hear what you just said and then have a debate with you right now. Oh yeah, yeah. and no. win. I have to win, <laughs> right? Um, and you know, I just don't think. Well, I don't think that's the that doesn't seem like the the point of your show either. And no, I've heard. I think I've heard two episodes, and it seemed like the type of thing where it's more interesting to have a discussion than to have a debate. You know, it's more interesting or just to hear different perspectives. I sure hope so, <laughs> <laughs> or else I'm in trouble. And you know how much. How much nostalgia can you really mine out? I, I, the idea here is to get some conversations going anyway. I mean, hey, man, I want to know uh, the first song you ever wrote or all that stuff. But the truth is I could probably find those things out in 15 other interviews. You know? Sure, for sure. I think people are more interested in just kind of hearing where you're coming from as the person whose music that they enjoy. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, it's been interesting to, I mean, because we came up, you know, the band came up in this kind of like fence riding Christian scene that developed kind of like fence riding Christian scene. Well, you know, I like the, that. there was the, uh, there were all the, there's like kind of seemed like every band when we were coming up was like, Oh, we're Christians in a band. We're not a Christian band. That mm-hmm. was like the catchphrase seemed mm-hmm. like, cause, cause who wants to define, who wants to like limit themselves? Right. Well, I, dude, I mean, you, it was, you said it earlier. You're talking about those sub genres. I had a whole like, show about, there's there's all these different genres, you know, metal, rock, soul, hip hop, Christian, Christian, you know, genre. Yeah. Nobody wants to be in that genre because right. that's that's a kids' table. It's it's not it's not real. It's not respected musicianship or artistry. You know. So well, I well sure, but I mean there were there were bands like um, the band Cool Hand Luke, mm-hmm. kind of. I mean, great art, great artists, beautiful, beautiful songs, great band, killer musicians, and just kind of just unapologetically Christian, you sure. know, just like they got up there, they would pray during their rock show, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't like their art was suffering because of this. 
they were just a good band. You know, they're just just a great band. Uh, so that was the that was kind of like the counterculture to what every other band in that scene felt <laughs> like they wanted to do. You mm-hmm. know, because every other band was like, you know what, we want to be. Um, we're we're Christians and we we understand that people want to kind of swim with their school and mm-hmm. and and kind of band together and we're gonna we're gonna create this this like this uh scene kind of around the fact that we all have kind of the same beliefs but we want to make good music you know right and so that's kind of what we came up in uh and honestly we were we we felt ourselves fighting it from the first you know we our, I remember our first website the first Copeland website we put on the facts before we even had had any frequently asked questions we weren't no one was frequently asking us anything because we weren't a, we weren't a real thing. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but we had, we had on our facts like, "Will you play my church?" And we just had like respectfully, no, we don't want to put any false pretenses on our music. We're making music for music's sake. I don't remember how we worded it, but we just said, you know, thanks for the invitation. We feel more comfortable playing in just venues, clubs. Uh, so I mean, I I remember like that was just something that was a conscious decision of ours. But you know, somehow we we still from touring with with other bands who were, you know, Christians in a band, but not mm-hmm. a Christian band. Mm-hmm. We still felt our, found ourselves kind of just getting the, the Christian thing all the time. And then we, and then we did a deal with tooth and nail, which, you know, I feel like everyone thinks that tooth and nail, like gives you some sort of like Christian test before you sign your record deal, <laughs> but they don't, there've been plenty of bands on the, mm-hmm. on the label that, that weren't Christian bands, you know, Juliana Theory didn't I don't think they had any Christians in the band I mean I don't know I can uh, tell you I mean I grew up in in the church um, and and always seeking for Christian bands mostly because of that thing that we've discussed a million times as far as like the strict parents and what I'm allowed to bring home and all that so you're you're constantly in search of something that you can bring home that you actually like sure so you're, you're constantly in search of something that that you actually like and that you're not ashamed to play for your friends. Um, but that's also going to pass the mom and dad filter, you know? Yeah. And I think that that creates this thing where as you go and go and go, you want, (laughs) you don't want to lose like, no, 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 they're good. I like them. And there's, they, they meet the meter, you know? So, and then, and so nobody wants to let it go if they find out that a person is no longer uh, associated with that faith. But, you know, honestly, I think there's a perception that it becomes um, watered down or something like that. And I don't think that that's the case. I think, honestly, people are learning a lot and they're starting to realize that they don't really give a shit. If the band is Christian guys or not, I don't think anyone really cares anymore. Yeah, there's a couple people, but in all honesty, I'll probably never hang around with them. You know what I mean? Those people who have to absolutely know that this band are Christian guys that they agree with on every level. For sure. If that person still exists, which probably they do, I'm never going to be around them. So it right. doesn't matter, you know? No, and I th- I think the the, par- the parental test thing is is a thing and might have, might have contributed to some of Tooth and Nail's success in the early days. But there's this thing in Christianity where people want to like, Actually, it's not even in Christianity. It's just all, all overall. I think people want to hear the bands that they like and the artists that they like singing from a perspective that they can relate to. Of course. So if 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 the guy you know if the guy's a Christian and you're a Christian, 
you instantly feel more of a connection. Like, okay, this guy has some of the same ideas as me, same goals. Or, you know, we both, we both love, love God. We, you know, like, mm-hmm. so you, you feel a stronger emotional connection, even to the songs that aren't about God or, you know, like the switch foot, the, yeah, that sw- first switch foot record had a song about just like not liking studying. You know what I mean? It's just like, right. oh yeah, I don't like studying, and yeah, yeah, we're, and he's a it's a Christian band, so I, yeah, I mean, I really love this song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because you're you feel a, a double connection to them. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> so I get it. I mean, I understand why why it became popular and why it exists, but you know, the whole concept is a bit is a bit lazy. Oh, this is this is great. The uh, a friend so. My wife took my new record to work and uh and showed it to a coworker. It's like mm-hmm. wanted to play it, wanted to show her coworker this record and she's one of the doesn't want to have any garbage in, no garbage in, you know, like no cursed doesn't want uh-huh. to. So the lady took out the booklet and said, "I'll go ahead and read through this and make sure there's no cursed words before I listen to it." And uh it's like how is it different to hear the curse word as read it? I was like, <laughs> I'm like a really visual person. So if I read a curse word, it's, it punches me more. You know what I mean? Yeah, if, yeah. if I read a fuck word, I was like, I was like, Oh, Whoa, there's fuck right on the page. As, as far as I hear it, I hear it all the time. So mm-hmm. as, as, it was kind of a funny, like that wasn't totally thought through <laughs> this. No, that's a real getting into the car backwards kind of move. For sure. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, you know, we're all just trying to find out where we belong, you know, and especially Christian people know that, you know, this is not our home. So there's still that thing in the back of your mind at all times where it's like, dude, what are you trying to do? Quit trying to fit into everything. It's just, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? But we sure do. We just keep trying and trying. Uh, let's yeah, let's well, switch it up a little bit here because I don't want to I don't want to sure and I, I don't want people to think that that I'm like any kind of anti-Christian because there are those those like anti yeah I don't uh, I kind of want people to just like believe whatever makes them happy and what, whatever mm-hmm. um, yeah I mean if there's a heaven I'm just going to be like I'll be super stoked because I'll get to see my kids again you know after mm-hmm. I die so I mean I get it I, I get it I mean I'm as optimistic for a loving God as, and and I actually don't even not believe in God. It's not it's not even that. Mm-hmm. I my religion is I cannot care. I'll spend my whole life just caring too much. So I have to either not care. I'm just gonna go out my, about my day, make my music, hang out with my kids, eat some good food, mm-hmm. try to get some sleep, work in my garden. That's my that's my religion, my because because if I because if I go just past that line of like okay, let me let me think about is there a God could be blah, now I fall like fall off the cliff mm. into the abyss of 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 like I mean I just I maybe it's just the way my mind just can't be satisfied with with uh, indefinites maybe.
Mentioned, you mentioned your kids a few times, you know. Obviously, there was the hiatus, the band. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you get married and have kids in that time? Yeah. That all that happened in, in Yeah, between? the band broke up, and then um, I think I was already... I'm, I'm real bad at the timeline. I think we were already engaged, maybe, when the band was doing a farewell tour. Mm-hmm. I think I had we had plans to get married. So yeah, after the band was done, after the farewell tour, got married, um, and then about a little over, maybe a little over a year later, found out we were pregnant. So we had like a little bit of married life without kids, but it wasn't it wasn't long. Yeah. Um, you know, something I'm curious about. I mean, I marriage has definitely changed the way I I write. You know. I don't know why, but it has. Mm. Um, but we don't have any kids. I mean, do you feel like, you know, you just wrote this new record as being married and having children and having that aspect of your life that frankly did not even exist before, you know, uh, how has it changed your your approach to music? I mean, do you feel like it's changed at all? Drastically, yeah. I I mean, there's... You know, like uh, before when I would write, it would be, I would take kind of an amalgamation of past love relationships and heartache and kind of like, like I was just kind of like pulling from every emotion that I've ever had, kind of like blending it up and writing about all this stuff. So there's like, people would ask me what the songs are about, like, is this song about this particular girl or, you know, this particular experience or like, yes and no. Yeah. Yes. Some of it's in there, but but that's maybe one tenth or one twentieth. Sure. You know, it's all. I try to just pull from as many things as possible, and now it's just. I think my my family, my my kids, and my wife are, you know, probably. You know, probably seventy percent of what I'm pulling from. Mm-hmm. Then. And then also the the puree of of old <laughs> old heartache sure. is makes the up stew like maybe is still on the stove. Yeah, there's there's accessible. probably thirty percent of the the old stuff, and then a lot of like the new stuff. So, but I mean, how are you? How that's it's a it's honestly it's a mystery to me. Like, 
I'm, you know, maybe we're coming from a different perspective with subject matter and stuff. But I mean, what, like, give me an example. What are you pulling from your kids? Uh, maybe, I guess I can guess, but I'd like to hear kind of where um, that comes from. Uh, so the, I had a, I had a, there was a Copeland fan who passed away and I'm friends with her mom on Facebook. She, she had, um, I could say it was, it was a really gnarly cancer, maybe a lymph node or maybe a spine or some, some sort of like a, and we got to, we got to play, we went and played in her backyard. Um, at the end of a tour, we stopped in Jacksonville and played a little show in her backyard and she didn't live too much longer. Um, and I'm friends with her mom on Facebook and her mom is just still the, the pain of losing her daughter is still just incredibly apparent and as, as potent as it has ever been seemingly on from her, from her Facebook interactions with folks, you know, just like just constantly posting pictures of her and just like, just, just a beautiful girl loved music. Um, you know, so, uh, that once, once I had kids, her posts were just like magnified a thousand times for me. Mm. So, um, you know, cause you know, I just, I'm just going through my day to day, maybe taking things for granted, maybe, you know, uh, you know, flustered in the house, a dirty house with Cheerios everywhere and, you know, kids sure. who won't mind, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, uh, and, and then I'll, I'll just think about, oh my God, you know, what, what am I doing? I, I see these like squeeze these kids, just, just, hu- mm-hmm. just hug them and just like, thank, thank God, thank whatever that, that I have two healthy boys. So, um, so Stuff like that is just like incredibly, incredibly powerful love emotions. And, um, and, uh, so yeah, because I, I usually hit my lyrical angle is usually to hit from a place of pain. So it kind of like tap into, tap into, um, Carly, Carly's mom's pain. I, that was a huge, that was a huge amount of it. And then, uh, I had another friend, I have another friend, uh, Joshua Michael Robinson, he's an artist, he's a singer, he goes by JMR, and he lost his mom when he was, um, I guess when he was 13 or 14, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was another just kind of like inspiration, I would, you know, he, you know, posts kind of little love notes to his mom on her birthday on Facebook, it's kind of like just raw emotions still, still just below the surface, um, so that was another thing that I, that I tapped into, so um, but that, you know, that, uh, parental parent child love was never something that I'd ever really been, you know, that was never really on my radar as a, as a lyrical inspiration. It's cause I didn't, you know, you didn't have any kids. I, I, I didn't have any kids. It was, it just it made it incredibly, incredibly powerful for me. So yeah, that's, you know, a, a big source of in, inspiration on the new record. So you find yourself back together and the new record comes out. Uh, I imagine the, the tedious questions 
are are many you know <laughs> not why not. did you come back sure okay yeah what were you doing <clears throat> you know what were you, what was your motivation i think what i'd rather know because again could probably find those things out otherwise is i mean are what what did you find that you missed the most you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. for me, it was always making music. I just liked being in the studio recording. That's right. what I always loved. You know, some people it's live shows, you know, what did you miss the most while you were away from it? Just, well, my, uh, one of the reasons the band broke up was I, you know, I don't like touring. I, I, after the first, you know, two or three years, it was just like, it was real tedious. You know, we toured for 10, you know, so, yeah. um, so yeah, I was ready to get off the road. The only thing I miss about the road was eating good food everywhere because we would go hard on the food. <laughs> we oh, yeah? just like, <laughs> yeah, we would. We, we weren't. We weren't in the, no fast food. We were not doing fast food in the last like five years. We were, we were just getting good food. Just, I'm. I think the last tour, I was like, I'm not eating anything but Indian or Thai or Vietnamese. I was like, I'm not gonna do anything. I'm not doing cheeseburger. No, no cheeseburgers, no, no chicken sandwiches. I'm just gonna. I just want to go. <laughs> I was want to try Indian food all over the country. See where has the best Indian food. So I was like, I was like, that, cause that's my favorite food. So, um, so yeah, I miss that. And of course, there's like people that I miss. You know, we made a lot of good friends with various bands and stuff. And so that you know that band camaraderie was cool. And but probably the biggest thing that that affected me when once the band went away was that identity because for 10 years I was Aaron from Co- Aaron from Copeland mm. and then I was just Aaron you know what I mean and I was like oh let me build a studio because uh, uh, I mean I, I, I I'd been re- doing recording on the side you know when we were off tour I was like okay I'm going to focus on this I'm going to be Aaron the record producer you know what I mean mm-hmm. and then when the kids came and then I'm Aaron the stay at home dad you know who you know, a few times a week gets into the studio at night, you know, right. off hours, you know, so, um, and so poker night is actually the studio, just the studio. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and being, going from being uh band dude, Aaron living in a van, you don't really think about and you're on tour. You don't think about anyone else. You're just like, we get, we get to the venue. I load my stuff in, we set up fine. I'm, you know, I consider my band members, but other than that, I'm off. I'm, I, I take mm-hmm. off, go meet up with someone or go see some sites, go yeah, jog, no whatever. I don't, I don't, ha- I don't have anyone to think about other than myself. Right. If you go to, from that to being a dad where you are the last person that you think about, <laughs> the first are the, the kids, second, the wife, then whatever scraps are left over <laughs> of, of attention oh, and, gosh. and care. Yeah. Uh, that's what I give myself. Even if I'm, you know, not bathing or sleeping or so don't be a, a dad is what you're telling me <laughs> no, don't be a dad mark no man it's the Run best away! <laughs> <laughs> no but it was just such a huge shift sure you know man. that's just like a complete identity change um and so i think you know a lot of people have their identity is their career you know you the first thing you ask someone what's your name the second thing what do you do you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's kind of like what people put their you know put their their self-worth and their identity, you know, they kind of identify with their career. 
So yeah, that was a huge change. So you did you miss? I mean, did you miss Aaron from Copeland? I mean, is it nice to be back? Yeah, there, no, the, it is cool. I feel like I because you know I was still in the studio. I was still do. I was still going to be creative, making records. Sure. You know, pr- through producing, and and I even had my own little side, you know, little side project thing that I'd get to like kind of get my creative jollies out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having that like that project that's just like my center focus, you know, something to pour, pour my emotions into, pour my creative creativity into. I was like doing all these, like producing these records. A lot of people would come to me to do string arrangements. So it's like arranging all these beautiful string arrangements for all these other bands. And I'm like, man, I could have, I could have freaking been arranging strings for my own record this whole time. So, um, so yeah, that was one, you know, I wanted my, my central, my central thing to do. Um, so that was, you know, now that that's back, that I wouldn't say that's the motivation. Um, the motivation was just, you know, they, the other guys in the band, you know, kind of started getting the itch to do a record. And I had always wanted to do a final record, you know, like back, back in the day, they wanted to do a final tour. I'm going to do a final record. Gotcha. Um, so I felt like I still had more stuff to say artistically. I, I, I was like, yeah, I would love to make a record. And so I'm not even saying that this will be the final record because now we're just, just back. Now back. we're just we're just back yeah. and and we feel good making music together. So we don't see any reason to not do more stuff. Um it's just it's more about doing yeah. it on the right terms and you know, having the right time and at this point I feel like do you feel like this? Like you're if you were to do say you're you're to do another Stavesaker record. Mm-hmm. Would you feel like you're screwing with the legacy? Like, how do you feel like Stavesaker wrapped mm-hmm. up? You know, because that that I I would assume most people know you from that, right? That's like the that's mm-hmm. kind of the biggest yeah the biggest thing you've probably done yeah or the most recognizable yeah fifteen so you, years of it so and and we did similar to you guys. I mean, there was eight years where we were on the road most of the year. Yeah. So do um, you what so yeah. what would be the terms if you were to do another record, how would you mm-hmm. want to do it? Well, I mean, we're trying to write some new music right now, you know. You are. Yeah. Yeah, people have been so asking. Is this and, an exclusive? <laughs> uh, I broke an exclusive story on my own show. No. <laughs> but Aaron broke an exclusive. Uh, Did I just pull no, this out been, of you? No, we've we've been talking about it, but the pro- this is the thing, man. And you know, and you know, you said you missed some of these things. What I missed was my guys, you know, Stavesacre were my brothers, dude. That's just, they were, they were my only friends really sure. outside of my wife. And then maybe, you know, a couple people that were my tight, my tight buddies, but, but Stavesacre was my family. Really. Right. You know, I'm not really super close with my family. We're spread out all over the, all over the country. So, you know, Stavesacre was my family and like, I missed being with my dudes and what, I really missed the most was creating songs and then recording them. Right. I didn't really care for, for touring myself. Mm. It's not my favorite thing. Sure. It's nice to have a couple weeks where you literally can be the most irresponsible adult that's ever <laughs> walked. You know what I mean? Sure. It's just so it extend, talk about extending your adolescence. But the, um, the thing I missed the most about Stave's acre was my guys and, 
and being in the room together where we would just hash it out for a few hours. Right. You know, and some of our best music came as a result of those things. So here we are trying to write these songs and sending files to each other like I've done with previous other projects. That works with them other projects because they're projects. I love them, love the music. I'm super proud of, you know, Neon Horse, White Lighter, all that stuff. I love it. Right. Um, I'm doing another thing as well. Like all those things, I, I dig them all. But Staves Acre, family music, you know? So trying to do family music with this passing files thing is really tough. Mm. And I don't, if I had one condition to make a new record, it would be we get to hole up somewhere, preferably Sweden, and just jam for a month and write an album. That's cool. what I would say I wanted more than Well, anything. I know of a studio in Lakeland if you're looking for a place to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that will not happen though. <laughs> Did you feel like you got what you needed to, to make this happen again? And yeah, so I felt like with the You Are My Sunshine record, which was the fourth record, I was like, well, you know, I felt like that was, we'd kind of like arrived at the sound. I really loved all the songs. Um, and I, I was like, if this is how we go out, I'm fine with it. Sure. So in order, like, so the conditions of making another record were pretty high. I was like, I want to be able to afford to mix with the dude that makes You Are My Sunshine. You know, Mm -hmm. I want to be able to, I want to be able to have enough time to write songs that are better than those. You know what I mean? I want, I was like, I'm not going to be satisfied with doing a record that's like, you know, almost as good as that one or, or half as good as, and if we're doing it on a budget, um, you know, or, or on a small, uh, on a small budget, I was like, I'm not going to be able to hire an orchestra like I want to do yeah, or like do all these, all these cool things. So I was like, it's going to have to be, we're going to have to make it a big deal. We need to, we need to have some money. Uh, we do, I didn't want to sign a, sign a record deal. Uh, cause we'd been, I was just like, I was just discouraged with labels and um, actually, and, and tooth and nail treated us better than anyone ever did. They were the only label that, that I can honestly say never tried to screw us once. Mm-hmm. Um, even that, I was just like, man, I just want to own my own record. I just want to be able to put my song mm-hmm. on YouTube. If I want to put my song on YouTube, yeah. it's just like ridiculous. Cause I was like, it's, it's insane. I try to put my old songs up somewhere. And it's like Crazy. blocked by Sony. Yeah, blocked there's by still... this. I'm like, they still operate on such an antiquated. It's so ridiculous to me. Yeah, like what is wrong? How do you not see that this isn't working? Right. This stupid thing you're doing is really not making you any money or saving right. any money or anything. But yeah, so yeah, you want to do your own thing. So, you want to be able to contain your own thing. And I should say, I to answer the question completely because I didn't. All those things need to happen so that I don't mess with the legacy. You the know? legacy. You that's know? the thing. That's, I didn't want to... You're talking about doing this thing. You know, I want to have a, an orchestra if I want an orchestra. I need a budget if we need a budget, right? I, right. I need the organic scenario for Stazeager to create music in order to not put something out that's shittier than Against the Silence, which was a great five-song EP. Sure. You're trying to follow up You Are My Sunshine, which I know is extremely popular. You know, that was a very popular record sure, for you yeah. guys. Yeah. So, you know, you had to meet these conditions in exactly. order to... Did you do a Kickstarter and for the record? We didn't. We just kind of launched a pre-sale and we, it was, kind of, it was, it was very much crowdfunded, mm-hmm. um, but we didn't do it through, uh, through one of these, you right. know, sites just because we were like you know it always I don't like the way the Kickstarter and like those sites make it seem 
like a charity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't like feeling like these give, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I, I'm not a charity. I'm, I'm an artist. I'm just making yeah. something. If you want to buy it, buy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I, I don't like the charitable, we have a goal to hit. Come on guys, let's sure. hit this goal. Uh, that vibe doesn't, doesn't, uh, make me feel very good about my art. So we didn't do it through Kickstarter. Uh, but, but it was very much crowdfunded when we couldn't have done it without yeah. people who pre-ordered. But yeah. Uh, and I would, and it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm being a diva saying if I want an orchestra, I want an orchestra. If it was my, if it was like an Aaron Marsh record mm-hmm. or any other, if I made up a, a, no, a new band, I wouldn't give two shits. We would do a record on, on a $3,000 budget and I wouldn't care, you know, as long as we had enough to get it done and feel good about it. But with like Copeland, that's just like, I can't skimp. I can't do, I, I, if I want, if I want to hire a bassoon player, I want to hire a bassoon player and we're going to have a real bassoon. I'm not doing a mix. Damn it. We need a bassoon. <laughs> we need a bassoon. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, it was just like the legacy was, you know, the legacy is what made us have to do an expensive record just because that was the kind of record I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. I wanted a big cinematic. Well, it sounds thing. pretty good. Thank now. you. <laughs> it did. It, it came out really good. good. I'm, I'm real happy with it. Um, and we got to go mix in New York with Michael Brower. Mixed it, Electric Lady, which is Jimi Hendrix studio yeah. that he built, and it's yeah. like we every time we walked, who gets to do that? It's crazy. Every time we walked out the door, there were tourists outside taking pictures of the door. You know, it's just like, man. and it's just like, awesome. yeah, we're work, we're actually working in here, yeah. we're doing stuff. So well, it seems it like cool. your your fans are pretty stoked to have you back. I mean, yeah, they probably missed you a bit. It's been super cool. We've done, I think we've done. F- five shows since we wait no we've done seven shows and i think four of them have been sold out so we're a, just over half sold out and one of them was like good, a festival <laughs> yeah one of them was like a festival so that doesn't count so well you know we got coming up i mean this will come out before the the polk theater show oh cool but, yeah you, know, you and, and and my buddy uh mr Eric, enc mr enc's at yeah. the and, Lakeland you know, hometown show. Just a stone's throw away from this kind of weird little compound that's developing around here. It's pretty, I kind of like it. It's, you know, I'm not ready to say Lakeland's growing on me. <laughs> okay. But I'm, I'm way better now than I was well, when I first got here. Well, hang around me a little bit and you'll start to love it. I'll, I'll, See, I feel like, I feel like there's no such thing as a boring town. Only boring people. You know what I mean? Sure. So, you can make, yeah, like we just make our own fun. You yeah. know what I mean? So people are like, what's there to do in Lakeland? What do you do? Yeah, I, I do fun <laughs> shit all the time. So, yeah. uh, and I actually have been meaning to get, I, I feel like you just need to be involved in more stuff. There's lots of creative people here. Mm-hmm. I feel like you just need to be like out and about with, yeah. with more, you need, you need to be around more like creative types. Maybe, maybe because uh, mostly I'm around dogs. Dogs? Dogs all day. Kind My dogs. two dogs. Oh, your dogs. Yes. I thought you meant just like scallywag, <laughs> just like like bad I, people. No, scallywags are back in Long Beach and <laughs> Huntington. Uh, but yeah, maybe, man, maybe. Yeah, man. Well, hey, come on down here and you can make some music. Oh, hang that's out fine with, with me. Hang out with like-minded individuals. Perfectly fine with me.
Thank you, Aaron Marsh, for your time. Uh, the truth is, I didn't know Aaron until we did this show, really. I mean, I've met him a few times here around Lakeland, but uh, I don't know. Fascinating guy. Very generous to let me have a seat at the Vanguard Room and do this recording. So, yeah, thank you. Um, all of Aaron's music that you heard tonight is uh, from the new Copeland album, Exora. And you can find that online or at a show on the upcoming tour, Paramore. So, by all means, keep an eye out for that. Let's see, we are we are currently taking emails for our next letter show. The theme this time around, are you still in the church or the faith and why? Think about what that really means to you, please. You know, are you still in or are you now out? Um I, I want to hear about the people who are in just as much as those who are who are out, so please, I will respect the material, you know. I don't know that I'm going to cover a whole lot of new ground uh, beyond the old school tooth and nail page or the 90s Christian music recovery page, but I think we can get a good conversation started and one that we can kind of keep going for a while. So, yeah, still in or out, and why? How do you do that? You write me. Uh, send me an email at thetwilightzone at ineverwas.com. That's the thetwilightzone at iNeverWas.com. There is no Z in there. Uh, and if you can keep it short, please do. You know, I do what you can. It gets to be a lot, and, uh, you know, I read them all. So let us know what's going on with you. Okay, this show was produced by Billy Power of Urban Achiever Podcast. This and all other episodes are available at iNeverWas.com or on iTunes. And once again, uh, my book, Simplicity, in the form that I prefer, is available on the website, as is the Patreon link that we talked about earlier. So do stop by and show us some love. All other music heard on this episode is from the new self-titled album White Lighter uh, by White Lighter on Northern Records. And, uh, you know, go on over there and get you some. Until next time, from the Devil's Crotch, Rainbow Out. Rainbow Out.